Hey, welcome to What the What. This is Jeff and Renee. And today we're going to be talking about probably the most the most lucrative genre, uh, you know, at least per movie, and that is superhero movies. So this is so this this could be a little bit broader, um, but I think I, we're going to try to focus mainly on like the 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 comic book superhero movies. Versus well, because there, there's like other movies where that could be argued they're they're superheroes just because they're the superhuman powers, mm-hmm. or like mythological movies. They all kind of fulfill the same function, but we're but we're specifically going to be doing comic book superhero movies. You know the things you think of like the Supermans, the Batmans, the Wonder Womans, and then the MCU. And uh, you know maybe if you know we might we might talk, we might hit some of the other ones. So if you are alive in 2021, you know that. Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe has basically taken over the you know Hollywood and, and and the movie studios and they get all the money, all of it. And as as we're doing this, this is the we're recording this the weekend that Shang Chi came out. Um, it's blowing away even. It's I think it's setting records for Labor Day. For, really? Uh, so far, I think it's the highest grossing Labor Day release, pandemic or not. Get out. Yeah, so it's just it's just blowing it's blowing away Asian all lead. expectations. Yeah. Oh. Well, there, there's a lot of Asians in in the U.S. Yeah. Turning out for it. Yeah. Uh, it does not. I don't know what the worldwide box office on it is. Um, it's it, so far it's not being released in China. Oh. Um, there's some there's some political reasons for why China is kind of blacklisting China right now is kind of blacklisting Marvel, oh. and not letting so Black Widow didn't get released in China. Eternals doesn't have a Chinese release date. Uh, Spider-Man doesn't have one. So uh, a lot of it has to do with Chloe Zhao, who's who's directing the Eternals. And has oh, been critical, that's she's right. She's been critical of the Chinese, Chinese government. Yes, in the past, so, yes, yes, yes. Um, they're saying that, the, you know, officially the Chinese government is saying they're not accepting Shang-Chi because of uh, previous... And previous, like, the, the origins of the Mandarin character and, and it being a racial stereotype. I think everybody acknowledges that the real reason is is uh, they're boycotting Chloe Zhao. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about superhero movies in general, and just where, why, why they why they take such a su- such a preeminent spot in our in our in American entertainment milieu, and what are and one one thing I want to talk about at some point is kind of the limitations of of the genre. Um, so first of all, I think it's fair to say you're you're a big fan of the superhero movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, we both we both watch a lot. What, what's the most re- you saw Black Widow? Yes. You want to talk about that at all? I mean, no. I mean, it wasn't that. Like maybe in a larger context. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Black even Black Widow was fun. Um, but really, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe pre pandemic was averaging just under a billion dollars a movie. A movie? Yes. Jesus. Yeah, per movie just it was Marvel it was though, like, not DC, right? Yeah, Marvel. Uh it, it was something like 980 980 or 990 million dollars per movie. And that's even with like the earlier movies like Captain America and, and Thor and the Hulk only making a few hundred million. So the, and then we've got we've got the Disney Plus shows now with What If and WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, the MCU, well, Disney has has 
bought out Fox. So all of the X-Men movies are going to be part of the MCU now. And it looks like uh, the DC universe is finally getting its act together. So in the next, over the next five years, there's probably going to be, you know, anywhere from anywhere from six to eight blockbuster superhero movies released a year. It's really crowding out the rest, rest of, rest of Hollywood. It's going to like, if you're not a superhero movie, it's hard. It's really hard to get into that, into that, uh, you know, bi- you know, nine hundred million billion dollar club. There's a few, like fa- fast, you know, the fast, fast movies. Fast and Furious. Yeah, Fast and Furious, Jurassic World, the, that franchise. But it, it's hard. It's hard to get into that upper echelon. Well, and I think that is probably a pretty big operative part is franchise. Yeah. I mean, they're built. They're building on something they established early on. A lot of it is the nostalgia of, of people. Who, I mean, it's people. The, the franchise is predate the actual movies oh yeah so so they're building on existing franchises every like across the board every at every point so they're just tapping into existing fan bases and then just exponentially building on that yeah and especially like with the mcu they've done such a it's they've taken they've taken the experience did you did you read comics when you were younger no okay so when when I didn't read a lot, I, I mainly I read GI Joe. That was like my the monthly thing I read. Um, one of the reasons I didn't read comics was because once you get sucked into one, it ties into another comic, which ties into another comic. And there's three there's three X Men titles a month, and there's three Spider Man titles a month, and it just got to be too much for a poor kid in Tucson, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But with the MCU, they're doing that same thing. Like you got to watch. Like if, if you're not watching everything, it is going to be hard to keep up. And Which is what I resent about it. I think I've talked about it before. Yeah. Like I don't like that I have to get Disney Plus to keep track of the MCU universe. Like at this point, it's so sprawling. I'm frankly willing to just let something slip. Yeah, and and there there's there is that. Like right now, up up through Endgame, they really had everybody up, up, like hooked. Like like everything is must see. You know, everything is must see. But once people realize that they can skip a few things and they're, they're going to learn real quick that they, they don't have to watch everything. And I, uh, on the other side, so just even as like a casual consumer, I find that really frustrating, but I can see that the appeal of it is that you're, is that it's taking, it's building a whole mythology, a huge mythology for, well, I don't know that's building. Well, it is taking some change. It's making some changes to the comics, but I can, I see the appeal in the sense that like it's covering such a wide swath of mythology that it's, that's entertaining. It's not what I want in movies. I, I, that's what I'm looking. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for the wheel of time sort of John, like, Oh, I just, I can't, I'm too tired. Like I don't want to sustain something quite that long. So, so I don't, particularly appreciate it and I don't like that part of it is taking up space at the box office but the reality is a superhero film is not taking up the space of an indie art house film correct so yeah. so in some ways they're just totally different animals yeah. they're, they're not totally different audiences yeah 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 yeah. Are, so it's yeah. not yeah so in that sense I do feel it's probably taking up space for some original content that could be blockbuster, but that's not the same thing as yeah as like like independent struggling art. Yeah. So so one thing so one thing that's come out in the last couple of weeks is the trailer for Spider Man No Way Home. Um, have you caught the trailer yet? No. Okay. 
So if you for for people that do watch everything, one thing that one thing that was really kind of jarring about the trailer for Spider for Spider Man um, No Way Home is that within the trailer it kind of introduces another another avenue of of introducing the multiverse and we're like what you what are you doing you already established the multiverse it's in loki it was in wandavision like you've already established it and then and then you know people are starting to realize oh for the people there that within the movies they have to kind of recreate the wheel for people that aren't watching the show right so for you you're going to go watch spider-man and they're going to say this is this is how the the multiverse open they're going to kind of kind of introduce it to you for me it'll be you know old you know it'll be kind of a, a rehash a rehash yeah so so it'll be interesting to see how they do that um what are what are some of your now what are, what are some of your favorite like when you think of like the superhero movies what are like the first ones that come to mind like a hundred percent wonder woman right that's your all-time favorite all-time right? favorite yeah 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 and that is just so you all know um coda bibby is also in the studio with us that's i'm dog sitting with my parents yeah. and so she's going around chewing up things on the floor and she's very she's a snarfly dog so yeah. you may hear her in this um yeah wonder woman is 100 percent my top um because obviously it's a woman kicking ass and i felt the story it's an origin story which is how many of them start and then it was um had a really good emotional arc as far as i was concerned yeah. So it's it's my number one. Yeah. I mean, I went with female friends and we like wept at the film to see to see something that epic. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So that one's my yeah that one's my number one. And I like for that reason I also like Black Widow Black Widow over say Ant Man right because they're about they're kind of like the B level they're not that you know they're not integral to the narrative momentum of the whole of of all the bigger names. So you can kind of do without them. But if I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose Black Widow because it's um, kicking ass, right? Like women kicking ass. And so right. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to go back to like Supergirl to find. The Supergirl? Oh, yeah. She does have a movie, huh? Yeah. She had a movie in the 80s. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I I didn't see that. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, and by the time that came out, like that whole, that whole franchise had pretty much died anyways. The Christopher Reeves franchise yeah, was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. trashed. So. Yeah. And yeah, and, and frankly, I mean, well, I'll just doing a quick like search in my own brain. I think Wonder Woman's one of the best DC, like it's the best of the DC movies too. Yeah, I I I would actually put Suicide Squad, the second one, as as the best. I love that movie. It was really good. Oh, I yeah, I guess I wouldn't know. Yeah, you haven't seen it yet. I have. have. I oh, have. you did? Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. you don't you didn't care. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I was entertained by it. I didn't yeah. find it particularly compelling. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. I, but I, but I would put it. I wouldn't put it above Wonder Woman. Yeah. No. So, you know, one thing. What What do you think? Why do you think? Other than Other than the MCU and it's all its interconnectedness, what do you think the draw is for these for these comic book adaptations, and why 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 they started blowing up so much. I mean, even before the MCU, like the Dark Knight trilogy, like really, really like broke the bank. I think they're very, they're the, a classic narrative. They're the hero's journey. They are, they are 
known characters so we know and trust them. We know what we're getting when we go to watch them. And it's good against evil, a classic dichotomy that makes it very easy to digest. Yeah, and it, it's, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, just you just throw out the word mythology. Like th- this idea of like superpowered humans literally is as old as people have been telling stories. Oh yeah. Like like it is it is absolutely timeless. Yes. So like we we met, we talked a couple weeks ago about like the uh, um, you know comedies and dramas being like the like the two original genres, but even then they were they were interspersed with superhero movies, or some, not movies but superhero stories. Right, the the Odyssey, the you know, the the idea, the all, all of the Greek myths yeah. involve super, you know, superhuman superhero powers, well, superhumans. And I think there's there's perhaps a sort of another axis that things pivot on. One is the ordinary or the extraordinary. And ordinary stories are more difficult to make interesting. Extraordinary stories don't require the plot is the is the narrative force right so you can just have things happen and we don't have to get philosophical or psychological about that and that makes them pure fun yeah and i think the thing that mcu did well and i actually now that you mentioned it the dark knight did as well um is brought in some of the more psychological phenomena like an examination of like the psychological phenomena of being a hero and to have power. And so I think they've become fairly sophisticated, but I think in general, a movie or a narr- a story that is about awesome people, all it needs, like if you look at the Lord of the Rings even, right? That's not complicated in the character development. Nothing about that, you know, besides uh, Frodo, you know, and his Sam, their, their dynamic is somewhat interesting, but it's mainly action. And yeah. it's men called to do good and you have my sword, you have my, you know, you have my axe. And that's very pure and simple. And and I don't, and I'm saying that like it's a bad thing. And I don't think it is. I enjoy it too. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So you, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. I was just watching, like last week, I was, I was watching a documentary about the animated Lord of the Rings yes. movie that came out in the 70s. Do you remember that? Yes, 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 yes. How, how batshit crazy was that thing? Yes, but... yes. Like, well, what the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit? Because I don't. There was two. So there was the Hobbit, which was fairly coherent. But then there was the guy that um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he did Fritz the Cat, and um, he did a lot of adult-oriented animation. Oh. Sometimes even like softcore porn, mm. and like and and he did a Lord of the Rings adaptation, and like every sometimes even in the same scene they're using three different styles of animation, and like there's no but like. It was basically like if huh. if you tried to make a movie and everybody was on a three year coke binge, that's basically that's basically what the Lord the the original Lord of the Rings movie was. I don't. I I realize now that I probably haven't seen that. Oh yeah, you. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna look for it and, and watch it. Like just watching the documentary, I was like, this is one of the most fascinating bad films ever made. Huh. But it, and it's it, universally understood to be bad, right? Yeah. yeah. And, but it's, it's one of the things that came out of it that was interesting was in the original version and in that adaptation, the whole movie basically ended at Helm's Deep, which was the, the battle, for, for those of you that don't remember, it, it, it was the big battle at the end of the two towers. Mm-hmm. 
then there was a whole there's and there's a whole nother book and you know outside of this outside of this adaptation there's a whole nother book and then there was peter jackson the whole other movie for the return of the king but i was but i was looking at it like was any of that necessary no like like that the 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 return of the king which won all the oscars was just not needed no the movie the really the book everything should have ended after helm's deep and then and then cut to mount doom after that yeah yeah, the, the that third movie really does get like that one felt a little greedy. Yeah, like we've we've seen all of this before. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Anyway, it was it was funny that you mentioned that. It was I was literally just watching watching that. Like, yeah, that third movie really, it's just it's jump just, the shark. Yeah, yeah. But but those movies are very like <laughs> people. This you know be kind of controversial, but um, I didn't really like the books. Partly because they're kind of dry, actually. Like they're just talking about war and they're they're walking and and you know they're it's again there's not a lot of psychological insight. There's not a lot of yeah. character development, and it's and and in that way I think that's why they translated really well to to film because it it's it's the spectacle of it, it is amazing to watch. It is amazing to watch orcs and yeah. and also there's a huge storm brewing outside yeah, behind say, us. So though. so this. If if you if you made it this far in the season, you know that there's been a lot of audio issues for the first five episodes. I'm pretty sure I solved the problem, and this should be good. But now we have a massive thunderstorm and a dog in the studio, so yeah, it's all for naught. It's but, it's but, pretty epic, actually. So yeah. yeah. So if you if if you hear stuff in the background that actually is thunder, uh, the house might be ripped apart in any second. Yeah. We will persevere. Though. Yeah, we will keep recording. Um. The, the other thing, and and when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about this more. It's been it's been in my mind really since watching WandaVision. Um, but you mentioned like the like starting with the Dark Knight, that these these superhero comic book movies have really started delving into like you know examinations of society and examinations of character and and, and psychology and stuff. Whereas you didn't really see that, like it was. Like you're like the the original Batman movies, right? It wasn't really no, you know the Superman movies. They were they were more archetyped. It was bad versus good, you know, and they were just strictly power fantasy escapism. But but yeah, really starting with to some extent the X Men movies because they they kind of touched they they in the comic books it was like front and center the idea of the the X Men the mutants representing. Um, oppressed classes yeah like the, so it's not it's not hidden yeah. yeah in the movies they they touched on it they didn't push it front and center but it was definitely but it was definitely there and then in the dark night they really tried to like do the you know the examination of good and evil and corrupt you know corruption um and 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 then the mcu really because of their because of that long form storytelling format you know 20 i don't even know how, I, I don't even know how many movies there are anymore and there's and there's about to be a whole much more because they're about to they're about to rope in all of the sony movies mm. going back to like the original sam Raimi. right movies. that's right yes yeah there the mcu just is going to be over like 30 movies before Jesus. you you know i don't know oh, yeah monopoly anyway yeah yeah um but but they but with that long form storytelling, they've been able to really develop character arcs that couldn't be done thirty years ago. Tony Stark goes through 
like a roller coaster. It's not AR. It's like a roller coaster of of being a shitbag, egocentric, almost villain, to trying to be a hero, to realizing his heroism is doing more damage than good, and then trying to overcorrect that, and then finally making the ultimate sacrifice to save everybody. Yep. You know. And you just you just you just can't get that in a single movie. No, no, you can't. So. And that's the perk of, of the of this what's happening right now. Yeah. You know, and I I reference I think I've referenced this in previous episodes, but there's this book I read a long time ago, and I should actually look up the author's name. Everything that's bad is good for you. And one of the things he was making a counter argument. It's a it's a pop culture digestible book talking about how the stuff that we all argue is is trash, quote unquote trash, is actually good for you. And he looks at uh, uh, TV shows, games, movies, those sort of things. And one of the things he sp- speaks to specifically is how much more complicated narrative is now in TV and movie. And that you're expected to under- keep more in your mind about what's going on between between movies, between TV shows. And like, so the sprawlingness of it in general, I'm a fan of. I what, So when I was growing up, I would read series. Like I'd have a... And I think part of that was a scarcity mindset. So if I found a book and it was part of a series, I was so delighted because I knew that I had a guaranteed like four or five good books to read. And but but what happens with series with books, particularly because there can be long breaks between them, is that you also start to lose the thread. Right. So sometimes I would get the book and it would and I'd wait for this, the next one in the book to series to come out. And then I'd be like, wait, who are these characters? Like you get, you'd remember the main characters, but you're like, I don't remember the side characters issue or quest. And I just didn't retain that content. I started to become fairly disenfranchised from this concept of a series, but some people are, are very good at that. And some people retain all the information. And I think it's built. This is the type of storytelling that's built for them. Like they remember those. They remember who said what, when the small references, they're picking up on Easter eggs um, references to the comics, references to other works of art, like that whole experience, I am somewhat envious of people about that ability to just track it all across all the platforms over time. Yeah. Do, do you have an example? Like when you were talking about reading like series of books, I like first thing in my mind was Nancy Drew, but that's not what you're talking about. You're no. not talking about anthologies. No, no, no. I'm talking like, so, um, like the Wheel of Time, I jokingly referred to it earlier. Like Wheel of Time would be an example. That's not okay. one I read, but like I, Neil Stevenson had some. Um, there was uh, I was Th- Thomas the Covenant. Like I had a bunch of science fiction series. Anne McCaffrey was my jam. I had all of her books and her the, the, the Dragon Riders of Pern. Like any series that had um, generally for me, it's it, I mean they happen the most in science fiction. But one of the big ones for me was the Clan of the Cave Bear series. Gene uh, M. Owl was the author of that and she spent years researching so there would be like a 12 year gap between each of the books and so by the time the next book comes out you're like wait what you know so so wow that was punctuating i spoke against the greatest is, is the clan and the cave bear so there's thunder um so and i and one of the tricks of course is to just wait till a series is done and then you decide to read it but that wasn't an option when i like i didn't know you just, I just found the book and I loved it and I would just consume everything. So Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. That, that was, that was made into a movie yes. with Daryl Hannah. Yes. And that was one of the movies my mom would have let me watch. Oh. And I, I don't know why. I've, n- I've never, I've n- I think I saw like the first five minutes of it 
at some point. There is a rape scene, so. In the first five minutes. Yes. Yeah, so you I, got a, I remember you saw that. that. And then you're like, what? And then she realized maybe it wasn't. <clears throat> yeah. So, that there yeah. were some lines in the sand? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, it, was, it was really random, the things my mom would let me watch or not watch. Yeah. Cheech and Chong and apparently, like, uh, Neanderthal rape was not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Because you were asking about series. What's that? You are asking about series. Oh, so, so re- real quick. So na- I mentioned Nancy Drew. Yeah. I read a ton of Nancy Drew books when I was a kid. They were hand-me-downs for my sisters. Yeah. It's just a random thought I read. I read so many of those. Yeah, and I read like Babysitter's Club, but those were sort of like, uh, they didn't necessarily build on each other. They were like episodic. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nancy Drew was definitely like. Yeah, Babysitter's know, Club was too. Yeah. And yeah. But but it, well, while you were talking about that, it made me it made me kind of think, like, all the superhero stuff that we're seeing now is all adapted from comics, which is also a visual medium. I can't think of any, like, non visual just book, that really feature superheroes. That it, it's like it's almost like something that like I wonder if there's something like you have to actually see it to buy into it. I think, well, well, I have two thoughts about that. Um, I guess we wouldn't really call them superheroes, but like Lord of the Rings does have that sort yeah. of hero, but they're not superheroes. Right. I think partly because if you're writing a book, you can't just have, you can just have it be action, but the, it's a little more challenging. And like, there is absolutely, yeah, something about the cinematic quality of being a superhero that translates well, but yeah, there aren't, well, to be fair, there might be a bunch of them now that have yeah. grown up around this. And so maybe so. I mean, I should be hurtful that I don't know. I mean, because you. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, sure, like, I'm sure there's fan fiction, novel, novelizations. Of no, but Captain like America. actual, like I'm sure like they have a shit, shit ton of Star Wars ones too, right? Like I think they're probably doing the same with Marvel because that's cha-ching. Another thing is that you, your kid will also read the Marvel. I don't think so. Did they not? not? They not? So, so the Star Wars books goes back to the to the to the eighties. The um, uh, Timothy, let's say Tim Ryan, but that's not right. Tim, Timothy's on the Tim, the, the Timothy's on novels from the eighties. So, so, and and science fiction, science fiction and fantasy have always lent itself well to novelizations. But these kind of, but I wonder if like the comic books just so. Like they, they became so associated with this genre that novel that novels just couldn't. Yeah, and I and I sometimes think that the thing is the best version of itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How yeah. how would you describe Superman's suit in a novel? Yeah. With, with his bulge sticking out. Yeah, or... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's a, it's such a uniquely comic book thing. And it's and frankly, it's what you it's what you sort of hit when you start to to write like the that you can still write cinematically, but it isn't the same as drawing it out. Like each each format has its limitations. And I think some of the artistic and visual components of, of comic books don't need to be translated to novels. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, we are gonna talk about kind of the limitations of the genre and just some, some thoughts I have on it. And maybe Renee will have some as well. Probably. Pretty, we'll pretty good bet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll be back in just a moment.
and we're back and little dog coda is not happy with how i bring in the bring in a new segment <laughs> so i usually collapse so that i have a spike in the audio track and and coda was like don't ever do that She's again like, how dare you yeah all right so um one thing i want so something i wanted to talk about and, and i've been wanting to talk about this since the end of wandavision mm. i think i mentioned earlier earlier in the season that wandavision kind of like i didn't like the way it ended yes um one was just a structural thing i think they tried to do too much in the last episode and it, you know like they just they should have structured the last three episodes differently but there was there was a a, a bigger thing that kind of once i once i saw it it's it's i think it's becoming a problem for the superhero genre um you're familiar with the uncanny valley yes right so for those of you that aren't, the uncanny the uncanny valley is and i, I forgot who first coined this term but it has to do with the closer the the better we are at, at representing the the human form or human face the more obvious that it's not real so like if you if you see a if you see a stick figure it doesn't really cause any dissonance or anything it doesn't really cause any kind of discomfort but but when you start seeing things that look more and more human they be it's more obvious that they're not human it's not it's not it's not an actual representation and it starts being like discomforting it's like it's creepy right yes. it's that uncanny yes alley. it's the polar express yeah yeah so i think and, I, and i'm not the only person i'm not the only person who is who has kind of related these two concepts but i did do i did i did come up with this on my own before i saw somebody else doing it is this idea of an uncanny valley when it comes to morality tales within the superhero genre or 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 using the superhero genre to probe psychology and and to to learn about the human condition ethics yeah yeah ethics psychology mm -hmm. um uh joker is a really good example of this where it was like trying to be trying to be this this examination of of the hazards of a mental health system that's not taking care of its people but it failed like it but but it was it wasn't the appropriate venue to have that conversation and it ended up being a disservice to the conversation wandavision was lauded for being a, an examination of grief and trauma right but the superhero genre and and the tropes of the genre just don't lend itself to that because now we're supposed to be we're we're supposed to be sympathetic with somebody who's going through going through uh grief right she had just found out you know in in her time in her time you know her she just found out that her husband had died um she had just been brought back to life you know if you know the snap and all that but but in her mind, like her husband had just died within the last few weeks. But the but the bigger narrative of the story is, she has because of her superpowers kidnapped and is mentally torturing four thousand people, including taking hundreds of kids and suspending them, and then and literally dictating every movement they do, and it's like okay we. You can't mix those two things. Like she, in WandaVision, she was an absolute, she was an absolute villain. She was a monster. But at the same time, we're supposed to be examining grief and trauma through. Well, I guess that's my question is maybe, 
I mean, maybe like you're saying you can't, but I was like, well, maybe you can. Maybe that's a little bit of the point. I don't I don't think so. So there, there's actually a scene where she where she puts her kids to bed and knowing that they're about to basically stop existing. But she's like, I'm going to put you guys to bed because I have to go have my final scene with Vision mm-hmm. downstairs. And it's like at, at, at some point, like. It's just not it's 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 squeamish trying to mix those two things up, but it's not squeamish because it's uncomfortable to talk about grief. It's squeamish because you're trying to you're trying to expect me to to talk about her grief while I'm processing the fact that you just told us that she's literally kidnapped four thousand people. But you don't think that that was also part of the intent? Because I think the one thing that the MCU has done really well is like if we look at Civil War, they made both points well. Like both Tony and Captain America argued their narratives very co- like coherently and effectively. And it and it was a very interesting idea that like neither in some ways neither of them was right. And so they were very willing to hold both things as truths. Okay, I'm gonna maybe, but then Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes along. And it's this examination of racial tension and, and history and, and the, the, the ideas of, of white saviors and America's place in the world and neocolonialism and the effect this has on black communities. And it's a really interesting and, and, and it could be there, there is something there to be examined. But at the end of the day, it has to be a Captain America show you know because sam wilson the falcon is becoming captain america so at the end of the day the the people that were actually fighting for freedom and actually fighting for human suffrage you know universal human suffrage had to become the bad guys had to be the terrorists they 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 had to take all their good intentions and say oh but they're also just homicidal killers they're, they're just maniacs mm. and the the u.s agent the the guy that we've been that we've been examining as representative of america's of american neocolonialism we're actually going to redeem him and make him a good guy after all like the problem is the the they can't commit to the consequences that the conversation leads to okay so you think it's a failure so so perhaps it's less that you don't think you, it can't be done, but that they didn't do it well. And, and, and I don't, but I don't think, I don't think within this genre. So, so to, going back to WandaVision and grief, how do you, how do you, how do you talk about grief when you, when you're dealing with somebody who has literally the, the ability to create a, a universe out of her mind? Like, it's not like, like that's, they're not compatible. I mean, they could, I, I guess it could be, and I haven't seen any of these ones, right? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just arguing it more as a point of that, like, I, I guess I don't necessarily see something inherent within super superhero narratives that prohibit that, but that's separate from sort of the idea of whether or not it should be done, yeah. and can it be done well? Because, because the reality is. I, I'm more interested in stories that do that. I mean, I think, I think that's why Civil War was really fascinating and, and and it's to some extent a little bit why the Dark Knight series was a little was interesting as well. Cause but anyway, there's there's so I'm personally interested in that premise within superhero stories. I don't so I'm kind yeah. of rooting for that. 
So no, no, going back to the Dark Knight, you know, I mean, I mean, almost anybody that likes superhero movies loves the Dark Knight, right? And this is the second of the of the Nolan. I'm gonna say Nolan Ryan, but that's not that's not Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan. It's the the Dark Knight was the second of the Chris Nolan Batman movies, but and every everybody everybody universally like loves it, right? But if you actually start thinking about what he's saying in that movie, he's basically defending fascism and saying that we have to have extra. It, it is as long as we as long as we look the other way, we actually need to have an extra judicial police force cleaning up the sewers behind us. And that, fuck no. Well, that's that's Batman in general, though. Right. That's that's not necessarily Chris Nolan. I no, mean, you, right? Like, but, but that's the that's the problem I'm making. Like, you can't. That's the that's the point I'm making is it's it's baked into this genre, and 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 if you if you're gonna try to explore it, if you're gonna try to deconstruct it, you have to be willing to commit to the consequences. Um, the Watchmen actually did this. The original, the original comic, the run of the Watchmen. That was the whole point of of the show, of, of not the show of, of the comic. Then the movie was done by, um, oh, what's his name? Not Snyder. Yeah, it was. was it, it was. Yeah, it was Zack Snyder. And Zack Snyder completely shit the bed, and completely misunderstood the point that that the books were trying, that the book itself was trying to make. And he was like, "Hey, these guys, these vigilantes, they're actually really cool, and I'm gonna make them look. I'm gonna make them look even cooler." I don't remember the plot of that one very well, but I um, I mean, I guess that larger question is, do we there there is no pure at the end of the day? I think that might be sort of a larger challenge with life. Is yeah. that at the end of the day, there actually is no pure good or evil, and I think that's the in in a more in a in a sort of a social context we might agree, but but in a purely moral sense, there isn't. So so any simple version where it's like, yay, the good person triumphed. If we really examine anything, you're like, did they really though? Because that was that was colonialism, or that was right. And so like, there's all these different ways, and I think that's what sort superhero stories in general have struggled with. Is that it's pure, the purity of of a of a stance is not really pure. So even if it's not even within even if it's not examined within the context of the movie itself, or the narrative itself, like it could be the comics as well. Because you, if you took a step back and put it into context, you're like that was bullshit, right? So right. so there is maybe no the 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 larger challenge is probably is that there's no pure story storytelling that way, where you're not going to create some sort of conflict in that. And the best movies lean into that and do a better job perhaps of solving that yeah i think i mean at the end of the day all of these movies are you know i started i started this episode discussing that the mcu is averaging a billion dollars uh you know pre-pandemic averaging a billion almost just under a billion dollars a movie these are massive franchises that are deeply rooted in the capitalist system they have to make money they can't actually challenge the the bigger system at large but they want to flirt with the idea that they are for like some kind of artistic credibility yeah like they're like the first gay person ever shown on screen and it was like someone in a group therapy do yeah. you remember like they're like let's see we had gay representation you're like yeah. come on yeah i mean it's the, it's the same point i was talking about with uh when I, a couple weeks ago when i was talking about the gi joe movie this you know snake, snake eyes, eyes yeah. you know 
at the end of the day, it is it is a it is a American neo-colonialist military jingoistic movie. Either don't make that if you're not comfortable with that, or acknowledge it, but don't try to pretend it's something else. I, I think that's kind of the point of making with superhero movies. You're it's 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 power fantasy. If you have enough strength, you can make the world right, and just just cop to it, and just make those just make those movies. Or or. Or, I mean, they're that, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I agree with that generally, but I also like the idea that uh, a, that someone could eventually get that right and could do that well. Not with those kind of budgets. So, they, no, they no are. correct. Yes. I mean, yeah. in that sense, so, yes. So, right. so, to some extent, they are, but it's, it's done. I think the boys. The boys. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that either. I that was Scott's. The boys. The yeah, Scott was big on that. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Scott's Scott and Anna's son Christian is really big on Invincible. Hmm. Um, so there are attempts to do it, but then they, but then the, like what they become known for is like, hey, we're more violent than the other. You know, it's, it's just how how there. It's almost like torture porn in the superhero genre. So, anyway, like the violence is more gritty. Is that the idea? Yeah. Oh, like heads exploding. Like, like the first, the first episode. Of the, I did watch the first episode of the boys, mm-hmm. and the first episode, the 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 speedster guy, the Flash type character, runs through uh, a woman while she's about to kiss her boyfriend and just explodes her body, because that's literally what would happen if somebody was running at the speed of sound and hit another body. That that other person would like just explode yeah so so i get most of the boys becomes about trying to rectify that situation or you know some some such thing Hmm. and it's like okay more blood i'm not impressed by that right that doesn't make it more real right i mean it it does to some extent but it's not it's not compelling to me yeah yeah and i Yeah, I, I don't anticipate the superhero genre getting any more nuanced than Civil War, really, at the end of the day. So I don't have high hopes for it that way. Yeah. So, Well, speaking of which, and we, we mentioned, I mentioned Chloe Zhao earlier. Mm-hmm. So Eternals. Right. Have you seen the trailers for that? I have, yes. All right. So this is, I don't know who is smoking crack or who greenlit this movie, but it almost sounds like. It almost sounds like it's Ancient Aliens, the movie. Uh-huh. Like all, like humanity was created by Celestials as, as you know, a science experiment by Celestials. All of our advances in history has been promoted, but has been egged on by these aliens. And I just, I don't know how this is going to sell to you... a Protestant Christian audience. I don't know. They're also this. Well, okay, about to rag on people, but. But maybe, I mean, maybe so. They believe in a higher creation. <laughs> but like, like it's like the, there's almost, and, and I, I'm not the only one to read into this, but there's almost a subtext of just from what we've seen in the trailers of, yeah, your, your, your single God thing doesn't exist in this universe. Oh. And it's, it just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the backlash is going to be when that movie, when that movie actually gets released. Huh. Have you heard any pre-chatter about that? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, a couple people, a couple, a couple people that review trailers have had the same observation I have. Like, mm-hmm. like the subtext, 
and, and actually somebody i think it was jeremy jeremy uh um jeremy's on no not jeremy's on anyways um i'm just i'm so bad at names but somebody else had mentioned that it was like basically it was basically ancient aliens the movie huh so it's the whole premise of every ancient aliens episode is that you know the aliens built the pyramids the aliens yes invented thanksgiving yes which is probably the best ever ancient aliens episode that the aliens invented thanksgiving yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like not even making that up i, I don't doubt that <laughs> um so yeah so that seems to be like the whole premise of of movie eternal so that that could be interesting i was always thinking it was more like old guard did you see old guard no oh that was just people who live forever and fight crime and that oh. was a really good speaking of which that was a really good superhero movie Old Guard. Old Guard. Yeah. When did, when did Charlize Theron. She was kicking ass, taking names. Really? Uh-huh. Netflix. Okay, I'll take a look. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So what so I know like you're you're trepidatious about the near future of the MCU with all the time travel and multiverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what not just the MCU but in general, what what do you what do you expect to see in the future and what do you want to see from superhero movies? I want more women to be in these films eternals yeah that so like in that sense i'll probably support it like i i just the narrative is still skews so much towards men and i i just i mean i'm still gonna go see them but i want i just want more representation for that i mean i loved birds of prey honestly um because of the representation not only women but like women of color as well it was like in that sense i really appreciated it and i thought it was pretty sharp storytelling so i i want more stuff like that a little offbeat not meantness i mean i'm sure they wanted that to get huge but i want it to to for them to take some risks uh by having women which is sad that that's a risk thing but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. what about you um yeah, I'm a little more based on that. I just I want I want I just want to see the Fantastic Four and the MCU and the mutants. Mm, okay. And I just I don't know. Before at the after Endgame, my big concern was that they were gonna be they were gonna the MCU was gonna start focusing more on like mashing toys together. Like, hey, we have the mutants now, we have the Fantastic Four, we can just, you know, start throwing things together. And I've and I was impressed between Shang-Chi and WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier that they're still really focusing on character and, and like conflict. Um, despite all the stuff I said at the beginning of this segment. So, so I'm hoping they keep that going, but man, I would really like them to like, I would really love to see these movies really commit to the consequences of, of their narratives. Well, do you or because I thought you were saying that you actually don't think like just make it. I do. I want them to. I want them. I don't want them to tease. It's almost like uh, uh, like you mentioned at the beginning of Endgame, the uh, the queer baiting. Yeah. Right. Stop teasing gay characters and just have gay characters. Yeah. Which actually, I think the Eternals does is going to have an openly gay. I think I might be wrong on this. Doesn't the Eternals also have a? Um, oops, sorry, I'm knocking the mic as I hold the dog. Um, doesn't the Eternals also have a deaf superhero? Is that I the Eternals? So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So there, the disability so representation. Eternal Eternals was like this weird, random, like 
even people that read comics have no clue who the Eternals are. No. Or why, you know, why this is getting made. Nobody, the, it, it was created in the 70s when Jack Kirby came, went back to Marvel from DC. And nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody read these books. Yeah. But, you know. Well, yay. I, I like that they're, I mean, I, okay, speaking of what I hope for the future, I would love to see the creation of a superhero that source material it does not exist yet. That it that it is an original, generated, piece of work, that still manages to achieve some of the intensity that comes with an existing mythology. I'm not sure if the boys had source material. Actually, I think it did. It did, but, but Invincible. But, I don't think Invincible. But I don't know that it did. But those are those are like I'm thinking like MCU level, yeah. like epics. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, either way, like this is this is the this is the genre that gets me out to the movie theater, you know. Although although horror also any horror movie that comes out I'll go see. Yeah. But yeah, it it, it it it's for for the nerds out there and the geeks, the people that have been actually keeping this genre alive for thirty years, this is like the golden age of superhero stuff. Yeah, I mean I appreciate it too. I mean I didn't yeah. read that stuff when I was young, but like the fanfare Again, some things are the perfect fit for their format. And we don't need to like adapt it and change it. And so like the, the translation from comic book to movie is so beautiful. I love seeing that. I mean, I love seeing this. I love that's why I want to see them in the theater. I love the visual spectacle of it. I like the epicness of it, the broadness, the yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I just enjoy them. Yeah. And on one and one last note. One thing I really want to see from superhero movies, and particularly the MCU, you got to do a but you got to do a better job in the third act. This, like almost every movie that's coming out now, Black Widow is like this. It's just a hot. It's just it's just a whole bunch of CGI, like like every pixel is some CGI thing crammed into the screen, mm. and I want to see. I want to see more movies that end the way Doctor Strange did. Not people punching each other, but a negotiation. Or Captain Marvel. Like Captain Marvel ended with a handshake. She could have, she could have obliterated everybody, but she's like, no, go send a message. Yes. I I mean <laughs> it's funny because I like I agree with you philosophically, but I'm but I'm also that mind I'm like, they're not gonna do that. Like I'm a little skeptical. Well, sort of going I, I back think, to that sort of like this is becoming like a recurring criticism. It's the same. Shang Chi is the same way. The movie is great, and then at the end you're like, I I can't see what's going on. Oh right. Like they're trying to make the third act too much spectacle. Yeah, it's like, and so and just on a side note before before we go to our recommendations, one thing that Marv one thing that Marvel Studios does that's really unique is they have a second director team. That does a lot of the big action sequences. Oh. So a lot of the big action sequences you've seen aren't being directed by the main director. That would make sense, yes. And that's why there's kind of a sameness to them, right? So uh, Black Panther, Endgame, um, uh, Black Widow, Shang-Chi probably had another, another unit shoot most of that film before the director, you know, without the director there. Um, and they need they need to just... Just let, like, 
trust trust that the audience will stick through it without a big spectacle at the end because it, it's also it's also just watering down the premise you know if every movie has the big giant army fight then the big our giant army fight isn't you know it's it's the return of the king problem we just we literally just saw that we don't need to see it again but. yeah but that yeah yeah, I agree. But there is something about that that end spectacle, and I think they like when you have end game and they all they're all on screen at some point. And you're just like yeah, that's hard to top. It is. Yeah. It is, but like, but that was that was the wrong ending for Black Widow. Black Widow is a spy. She's an assassin. Well, I mean, yes. Well, everyone knows I hate that ending for Black Widow. Um. So. Um. Well. Oh, you mean like ultimately. Like it was just like the whole. You're talking about the film, or in in, like the Black Widow film, the or. Film. Like the 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 worst part of the movie was the CGI spectacle at the end. Yeah, but up until then, it didn't have a lot of fighting, so I think they felt yeah. like they needed to put some fighting in. Yeah. It was mainly about family, which I found great, but yeah, there did need to be some fighting. It just wasn't great fighting. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what are, what are your recommendations? I watched a limited, well, actually, I don't know. That's actually limited. I think it may go on for another season, this uh, animated, which makes me think we should do animation, actually, as one of the conversations that we do. Um, I know you don't watch a lot, but I watch a lot of it. Um, uh, Centaur World. And it is a zany, it's a little bit akin to Adventure Time, which is my all-time favorite show in the universe. It's akin a little bit more to Adventure Time, where weird things happen and it is a mythical it's a hero's journey and it's about a horse in Suntar world it the it it's the plot itself is too is is too complicated to explain but it's about 10 episodes it's on netflix it's so entertaining if you like surrealist content nice yeah did i recommend nighthouse last time yes oh damn I was going to well, well, you recommended it to me personally, and because I, oh, yeah. I had okay. it in my notes, but right, I don't know good. if you, yeah, yeah. So, Nighthouse. Um, so, at the, by by the time this episode is 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 air, is airing, Nighthouse is well out of the theaters. Um, I'm not sure what streaming service you'll be able to watch it on, but this is a movie with Rebecca Hall. Really, really good, creepy horror movie. Is it still in? I think I might go see it Tuesday. It should still be in theaters. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's good. Is it? Yeah, this is yeah. It, the creep the the creepiness is like off the charts. Oh not oh I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that's my recommendation. And then uh yeah, so I guess this is gonna we're gonna wrap the conversation of superheroes. Yeah. And next week we're gonna be talking about romance movies. No musicals. Just kidding. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot. So next week we're gonna be doing musicals. Um <laughs> I think I think we're gonna. It's pretty much gonna be an hour-long discussion of Mamma Mia and the sequel. Oh Jesus! So look forward to that. Oh. So we'll we'll be back in a week to when you guys can hear us talk about Ava. Yeah. So thanks for listening. My name is Jeff and Renee. This is what the what. Right, thanks for listening. That was what the what. You can follow us on social media at, at WTW Popcast, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also email us at wtwpopcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Special Feather. And you can find me on Twitter at the BW Fans and on YouTube, Bandwagon Fans. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.